This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. In the 70s and 80s, if those of you who can remember those days, they were um, interesting times. New words hit the, uh, our vocabulary in the 70s and 80s. Remember the words uh, power lunch? Power lunch was not Chick-fil-A. It was a meal. You would sit down with movers and shakers. There was power lunch, power suits. Ladies began to wear suits. They began to enter the workplace. They wore suits. Remember ladies, some of those suits had shoulder pads about like this wide and, uh, and, and big hair. So it was power suits and power lunch, power ties. Thank God we don't have to wear those anymore. Those were bright red or bright yellow ties, power offices. But what they were used with these were saying that these suits, these offices, these ties were used to do something, used to, to work at something. This morning, I want to talk about power words, words that work. Now, words change, and words have changed over the years. And so you really kind of have to keep up with what's going on in terms of words. For example, hey, Siri means something different now than, than it used to. And Joy likes to laugh at me because I tend to argue with Siri when I'm getting directions. You ever had, have you, have you ever been talking to Siri and you're like, she like, turn right here. I'm like, no, that's not the place I want to go. Joy's like, why are you arguing with this, with this, with this phone? This, it's like arguing like it's a person. Of course, Joy cannot get Alexa's name right. And so Joy will go and stand next to that little Amazon dot, that Echo dot, and go, Alexis, Alicia, and just, uh, it's not working. Words have changed. How about this word? Whatever used to simply mean, well, whatever you want to do. Now it's a one word used, and it, it has such disdain to it. Whatever. If you, you have to say it with an eye roll and a hair flip. Whatever. <laughs> or the word as if. As, you know, someone said to me, well, as if. I'm like, well, as if what? No, as if. It's just a phrase in itself. It means no way, never going to happen. So you, I, I, I'm finding that culturally I'm losing some of my touch and, and where words are. And if I'm not careful, you're going to say stupid words. And so it's like the guy who would stand up and say, well, that was a groovy thing. Well, whoever says that anymore? Groovy. Look, Google that. Look that up. That was a 60s thing. The idea is words change. And some words, though, are still effective. A burglar had broken into a house. The owners were gone. He's walking through the house. And a voice spoke to him and says, Jesus is watching you. He stopped. He looked around. He couldn't see anybody. Shook his head, kept going. He heard the voice again. Jesus is watching you. So he kind of looked up and he said, nah. He got his flashlight on. He looked around the room and over in the corner was this big parrot. He went, oh, it's you. He said, Polly want a cracker? And the parrot said, the name is Moses. <laughs> Robert said, what kind of clown names a parrot Moses. Parrot shot back, the same kind of clown that named his Rottweiler Jesus. Sick him, Jesus. <laughs> Sick him still works. That's still, a, that's still a, a working word. That's a working word. How about this word? If you say, hey, listen, I'm moving on Saturday and I need your help. If someone says, I'll try to be there. You know that's not happening. How about when someone says, I will be there? That's got a lot more weight to it. I will is, is, is a powerful phrase. I'll give you another powerful phrase. This one is a, is a relational glue phrase. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> that might be, some of you may have to practice that one, but that is a word that if, if you'll use it, it it's, a, it's a relationship saver. If you can express, I'm sorry, it gives a basis for building a bridge again. I'm sorry. That's a powerful word. And so it doesn't have to be big, but small words can convey really powerful messages, especially if they're heartfelt. Now I want to give you a two-word phrase today that's a powerful word, and it simply is thank you. Thank you is a powerful, it's power words. Like, oh, come on, Alan. What, what is thank? Well, thank you. What does? Thank you conveys that something or someone is not being taken for granted. Have you ever given someone a gift and they kind of look at it and went, yeah, thanks. And, and you want to reach over there and, and, and lay hands on them suddenly <laughs> and pray for them very intently. About, Do you know how much it took for me to get? It's, and, and you realize it, it, it did not show any value whatsoever. In fact, they have found that one of the secrets of a happy marriage, and they've done studies on marriages, they found that happy marriages are found by when, when spouses express gratitude to one another. Because of what it does is it shows value and appreciation. Someone, when they just said, thank you. In fact, they said even couples that argue a lot, it's not how much you argue, it's how you argue, and then how you recover from it. And so if you can say the words, thank you, it conveys something that's, that's powerful. Thank you. Thank you that you did this. Thank you. I'm not being taken for granted. And it gives hope for the, for the relationship. It's a, it is a, a studied secret that couples who say thank you have better marriages. So it's, it can show value. It can, so someone's not being taken for granted. It, it shows some humility and some appreciation. Now, I know this may never have happened for you, but you know what, like you're on the freeway, and maybe you're in the middle lane and they close down the left lane. Do you know there's always those people who they don't get in the middle lane. They don't get in the middle lane. No. These people rush way ahead and then they just wait for somebody to let them in. Do you know those people? Might be you I'm talking to. <laughs> and then when you do let them in, is it too much for you to just throw up your hand just to say... Thank you for letting me in. Have you ever found yourself when you let somebody in, they just pull in like they own the road? Do you ever find yourself going, you're welcome? <laughs> There's something about that humility that's, that's, that you just appreciate when somebody pulls in and they go, hey, and they, and they wave. And so it, it's conveying something. I tell you another thing that thank you does. Thank you, actually, we're going to take a look at this. Thank you is actually an expression of our faith. In Psalms, the psalmist said this. He said, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So let me, let me give you a, a, a great story this morning. It's straight out of the Bible. It's straight out of a guy who said thanks. It's found in Luke, the seventh chapter. The man who said thank you. 17th chapter. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, he being Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who return 
to give glory to God except this foreigner. And he said, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now this is a, it's a small story, but it's really kind of a powerful story. These men were separated from, from Jesus because of leprosy. It was a contagious disease. And if you had leprosy in that day, they made you live. You couldn't even go home. You had to live apart from everybody else. And so they had to stand way off from Jesus because that, that leprosy had separated them. And they called out to Jesus. Now they called him master, which was good because it acknowledges he was an authority. And they said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, they, you notice what they didn't ask for. They did not say, Jesus, master, have justice on us. They asked for mercy because mercy really is compassion with action. It's compassion that relieves suffering. And by asking, what they were saying is, hey, we don't deserve any of this. We're just asking. They're not demanding. They're just asking, Jesus, would you have mercy? If they were demanding something, it would imply that it's owed to them. It's not owed to them. So they're asking, Jesus, would you have mercy on us? And Jesus gives them an unusual command. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. Well, that doesn't sound at face value unusual unless you know Jewish law. In the Jewish law, it was written, probably in Leviticus, if I'm not mistaken, that if you were a leper and you got cleansed, that you just didn't walk back into town and go, hey, I'm clean, I'm healed. You had to be checked out first. And you had to go to the priest, and the priest would watch you for seven days, and then after you were clean, he would pronounce you clean, you could go home. It was a great check and balance. The Jews were light years ahead of anyone else in quarantine laws. And so when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, <laughs> I'm sure these guys are looking at one another going, uh, but we're not healed. And so they had a decision. Jesus was asking them to act on his word in the face of facts that were contradictory. And so I'm sure these guys were probably looking at one another going, yeah, Jesus, if you'd heal me, then I would go. He just said, go show yourselves to the priest. And they probably looked around and finally said, what have we got to lose? And as they went, they were healed. So in other words, they, they, they took off, they obeyed that. And that simple, that simple act of faith and obedience opened up a huge miracle in their life. And they were cleansed. And when one moment he saw he was clean, and I mean with leprosy, leprosy is a horrible disease, man. It eats away body parts and it just, it, it really is awful. And who knows, man, they might've had arms growing back and fingers and stuff. And they're like, Sparky, you got a nose again. And they're like, oh, your ears are back, Bubba. And, and just, uh, they were all happy about it. And man, nine of them just kept booking it toward the priest. And one of them stopped and turned around and came back. And he was probably the most least deserving because he was a Samaritan. That's why Jesus called him a foreigner. He was a Samaritan. He wasn't under Jewish law. He didn't have to go to the priest. He, didn't deserve, he had no covenant with God. And so the fact that he got healed, he recognized, oh, this is mercy. And he goes back. He falls at Jesus' feet and he gives him thanks. And Jesus asked an unusual question. He said, where, where are the other guys? Where are the nine? He said, why does only one come back to give, to give glory to God? Why is only one? And he blessed the guy. He said, go on your way. Your, your faith made you well. Let him go. But it's interesting that Jesus was looking for the other guys to come back as well. You know, I look at that story. And I think, man, you know, that, that's, a, that's a little microcosm of my salvation. When I stood, sin had separated me from God. And when I cried out to God, I did not cry out for justice. I said, Lord, would you have mercy on me? He said, well, I've already had mercy on you. My grace has already been established for you. Now all you have to do is believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess him as your Lord and you're saved. 
Isn't that great? We didn't have to earn it. We didn't have to work for it. We didn't have to do anything. We certainly didn't deserve it. It was all his mercy. And so that gives us, especially after Easter, when we think about what Jesus did for us, it gives us a lot of opportunities to go back and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Didn't have to do it, but you did. And we appreciate it. Thank you is a powerful word. And thank you can be powerful in your life. Here's, here's some reasons. I want, I want to talk about this. Here's some reasons why, why thank you can make a difference in your life. It's always right to give thanks. In God's sight, you're always going to be on the, on the good side giving thanks. Remember, Jesus looked at the one, but he said, where are the other guys? In other words, the right thing to do is for us to give thanks. And, and I, know, I know what happens. Guys, I, I know a lot of times I hear people say, well, Alan, I'm just not an expressive person. I'm not, you know, I'm just not expressive. Other people expressive, I'm not expressive. But you know, really, if you stop and think about it, we ought to be expressive. We ought to be willing to give thanks. Let me give you a hypothetical situation. What if you had a, a, a young man who grew up in a single parent home, had a mom, the mom worked hard to take care of him. She was his only son and she taught him how to live right. She said, son, I want you to be a hard worker. I want you to be honest. I want you to give to the poor. She raised this boy to live right, worked two jobs so he could go to college, spent all her meager savings to send this boy to school. He went to school, got good grades. And when he graduated, he got a good job. And he worked hard. He was a hard worker. He was very honest in his dealings and he gave to the poor. You look at a young man like that and go, well, okay, that's good. But what if this young man never went to visit his mom? He never took her phone calls. He never called her. Maybe he sent her a Christmas card every now and then, but he never even would acknowledge what his mother did for him. Never said thank you. I don't know if you know that you wouldn't look at it. I know all the parents are going, what? But as a parent, you wouldn't look at that and go, what a fine young man. No, if you, if you were talking to that young man, you'd say, son, listen, I'm glad you're a hard worker. I'm glad you're honest. I'm glad you give to the poor, but you need to give some credit and you need to give some thanks to the woman who sacrificed for you, who slaved for you, who did something for you. You, you need... You need to thank your, you need to buy your mama big turkey for Thanksgiving and take it over to her house and acknowledge that because she's done something good. If a, if a boy was good in this one area, but he never did anything for his mom who helped him, you think something's wrong, son. You need to make an adjustment. Listen, guys, we've got a God who created us, who gave us a place to live, who saved us, who's been merciful to us. He's treated us better. We, do, we need to say thanks. We just need to say thank you. Thank you. Well, Alan, I, I'm not expressive. We'll practice. A lot of times people aren't, aren't something because they just never practice. You can practice saying, I thank you. Well, well, people say, well, Alan, God does not need me to thank him. No, you're exactly right. God does not need for you to thank him. You need to thank him. First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter says this. It says, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Listen, guys, please don't get me wrong. God is not, he's not needy. He's not, thank me, thank me. Tell me I'm awesome. Tell me, please. No, he's okay. He doesn't need that. But when we thank him, we're acknowledging what he's done. We're acknowledging we've received. It's good. In fact, it's the will of God is pretty definitive language. In everything, give thanks. 
Here's the second reason to give thanks. Second reason is because it glorifies God in our lives. And when we glorify him, there is a real benefit for us, for me and you. When I say glorify, remember Jesus said that the man who came back and gave thanks gave glory to God. Now we don't use that word a lot. To glorify means to give full recognition to, to honor and to praise. So when by giving thanks, he's, he's beginning to glory, he's re- recognizing and giving honor to the one who did something for it. And that helps because here's the deal. Anything that you glorify, you magnify in your life. Have you ever had a, a, a problem? Huh, I'm kidding. All of us have had problems. Have you ever had a problem that you just, that absolutely dominated the conversation? Joy and I went through something a number of years ago. And, and, when, and we, the Lord helped us and we got through it. Whew. But it was so stinking hard. And it was hard because Joy and I said, one of the things we did was we talked about it all the time. Wake up and talk about it. Conversation would shift over to it. Wake up in the night and think about it. Talk about it one, just talk the problem, the problem, the problem. Anything that you talk about a lot gets bigger in your life. It just gets big. And so we, we talked about it and man, we finally, we made it through like, praise God, thank you. But we went through a similar problem recently. And we, man, we just, we sailed on through it. Lord helped us, we got through it. And we're like, well, what was the difference? The difference was this time, we didn't talk the problem all the time. This time, we just kept thanking God for his help. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping us. Thank you, the Lord's helping us. Thank you that the Lord is helping us. Did it make the problem just go away? No, but what it did was the problem didn't feel the windshield of our life. God began to feel the windshield of our life. And the problem, when, when God gets bigger, problems get smaller and more easily manageable. For example, has any of you ever dealt with stress? <laughs> Have you ever found yourself talking about it all the time? How you doing, man? Bro, I am so stressed, man. I am, I am just stressed. I'm, your, mo- your, your mother calls you. You're like, mama, I am so stressed. The stress is about to kill me. The stress, the stress, the stress. Have you ever noticed after you talk about the stress, you never feel better? I am so stressed. Boy, that felt good. I'm glad to get that off my chest. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So it, let, let's say, for example, that you, you say, Alan, you don't, don't laugh. I'm dealing with some problems. Listen, everybody's dealing with some problems. It's not, it's not that the problems don't ever come in life. It's how do we deal with them? And so here they come. We got problems. We could talk about the stress. We could talk about how much is wearing us out. We could t- or we could say this, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for helping me. I want to thank you for your peace. I want to thank you for your goodness in my life. What's that doing? Well, it's getting our minds off of the problem and it's getting our mind. You're magnifying God. You're glorifying God. God, you've helped us before. You've gotten us out of situations before. I thank you that you're going to help us again. Lord, I want to thank you that your peace is my peace. I want to thank you that I've got a peace that passes all understanding and you said you would never leave me or forsake me. Lord, I want to thank you. Thank you. What's that going to do? That's going to lift you on the inside as opposed to pulling you down. When you glorify God, you begin to magnify him in your life. It's a better, I promise you, I promise you, it's a better way to live. Listen, we're people with a God. We can live differently. Big God, small problem. The last one is this. When we say thank you, it is a simple but powerful step of faith. It really is. 
You know, it, Jesus, when he told those 10 men, go show yourself to the priest. I'm sure they're like, okay, here we go. This seems a little unusual. You know, when the Bible talks about prayer, it gives us, there's an unusual verse here. It says Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. That means don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, notice that, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's a, that's a verse. That's in the Bible. It's telling us, don't worry about stuff. And it said, but when you pray, give thanks. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I've, I've dealt with problems in about three different ways. One, I have worried about them. I think all of us have been there. <laughs> Worrying will absolutely wear you out. Second thing is, I have prayed and worried. I have, have you ever, ever, ever prayed and told God about the problem? And you explain all the details of the problem? and how the problem happened. Like God didn't know, so I'm explaining all this problem to him. And then, I, and then I'm like, thank you, Lord, you know, amen, over and out. And I'll walk away with the problem, worry and pray. I just really worried in his presence. And then the last one is this, pray and give thanks. Pray and ask the Lord for help and thank him before we see answers. John Huseman, many of you know John. John was our youth pastor here for a number of years. He, he, just, he texts me after Easter. This is only their second Easter. They're not even a year and a half old. And this, uh, excuse me, they're not, about two? Are they working on two? They're about a year and a half old. Okay, they'll be two in, in uh, next year. Anyway, they're a young church. <laughs> I'll sort this out later on. Thank you, I have a strong mind. Anyway, uh, John texted me, and, and by the he said, he said for our second Easter, he said we had almost 900 people, and their second and their second Easter. That's pretty good for a brand, brand new church. They're, they're pumped. Had, had 30 decisions. But if you know John, John was a very strong personality, and I think he still is. But he was a strong personality. I worked with him. He was he was an athlete. He was very he could be very determined. And John said when he was growing up, he was a really bad kid. He was so rambunctious, so hyperactive, that before they would go to an event, he said his parents used to pre-spank him. <laughs> as serious as I can be. They would pre I said, John, what do you mean pre-spank? He said, they knew I was going to be bad, so they spanked me ahead of time. <laughs> and then if I was really bad, I got another spanking when I got home. They were, now listen, I'm not suggesting that as an idea. That's not, that's not good parental advice. But John's parents though, John's gonna mess up. John's gonna act up. We're gonna spank him now because we know what's coming. If John's parents can pre-spank, how much more can we pre-thank God because we know he's good, we know he's gonna show up, and we know he's gonna help us. So we thank him ahead of time. Thanksgiving, giving thanks. Thank you. It's a power word. Would you bow your head with me just for a moment? If you came today and said, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I know that he knows that. Or maybe you're, you felt like my mess ups, my mistake have separated me from God and I'm just so far away from him, but I want to come home. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front, but his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you that I'm talking to and you say, Alan, I, I don't have a relationship with the Lord or I'm not sure if I do. Alan, I've been away from God and I want to come back. Would you pray for me? We're going to do that. We're going to pray for you right now. Again, we're not going to embarrass you, but we are going to pray for you. 
If that's you, would you just have the courage and the humility to shoot your hand up across the auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your courage. Thank you. Anyone else? Got you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Up in the back on the front. Thank you, God. Wonderful. Anybody else? Great. You can put your hand down. Thank you for that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You could have been debating this with yourself and think, I, I really wish I'd, I'd lifted my hand. Well, this is a heart prayer. We're going to pray it together out loud. I'm going to encourage you to pray it with us. I'm going to lead you in it. We're going to join you as a church family. So pray this so you can hear yourself pray it. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. With heads still bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who stepped out of darkness into your wonderful light, for those who've come back home, we rejoice with them. We rejoice that they're cleansed, they're forgiven, they're brand new. And for that, we are grateful and thankful. Many of us have had that happen in our lives as well, and we never get tired of saying thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.